Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right, you guys waited one day longer than initially expected, thanks to the breaking Bradley Beal and Chris Paul news of yesterday. But today, Tuesday, June the 20th, which is actually, God, a lot of my good friends have birthdays today. Happy birthday to all of my good friends here on June 20th. I don't know how that, they clustered. I guess that's, you you never expect clusters, but that's kind of how things work. I always watch the roulette wheel in Vegas. You're like, oh man, five reds in a row. Surely the next one will be a black. Nope, another red. Uh, Welcome to the show, everybody. It's Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Bespris. And again, this is now the official beginning of draft coverage on Fantasy NBA Today. You guys know, I don't pay attention to this stuff. I think rookies are overdrafted. Uh, I think that way too much hype gets made, and the ones that tend to succeed on the fantasy side are often the ones that you don't expect going into fantasy draft night, because the ones you do get drafted for the buzziness, for the upside, and it almost always takes those players, the ones that have the basketball in their hands, the ones that are expected to have a large role, it does take them a few months to get used to the NBA. We have, however, talked over the last two off-seasons on this show, about how I need to soften my stance on my rookie hatred a little bit. And so last off-season, headed into the draft, in fact, we spoke to a few of our experts at Sports Ethos, and they talked me into caring about some of the high-efficiency big men. Those are the guys that can produce fantasy value immediately, because their field goal percent is built-in positive, rebounding blocks are a built-in positive, and if they're not a complete disaster at the free-throw line, there isn't that negative that you get hit with from these guys that end up needing the ball in their hands. The usage guys, the uh, the point guards, the even the wings that, have the, that need to take a ton of shots, that can weigh things down, that can sag you with turnovers, percentages tend to hurt rookies quite a lot. So that's why we kind of knew about Mark Williams going to the second half of last year. Uh, It's why someone like a Walker Kessler was on the radar early before the Jazz signed a bunch of big men, and then he came back on the radar a little bit after that. This year, we're going to move through the draft stuff in kind of a fun way. In just about 30 seconds, we're going to talk to our buddy Corbin Ford, longtime Sports Ethos contributor, uh, host of the Round Ball Ramble, and good buddy, Um, And he is more of our reality NBA coverage expert at Sports Ethos. So he's going to kind of set the table for us. We're going to go through some of the top picks in the draft. What does it all mean? What are the teams going to be doing? What should they be doing? Later this week, we'll talk to David Williams, one of our fantasy experts, also the host of the Memphis Grizzlies podcast here at Sports Ethos. Uh, Happens to be way better at fantasy than people realize. We don't sort of push that as much because a lot of what he does is centered around the Grizzlies. But he is one of the best fantasy players that I've gone up against in some leagues. And then we'll talk to the incredible Rhett Bauer uh, later on this week as well. He is the leader of our dynasty division at Sports Ethos. One of the best basketball minds out there. He can tell us a bit about how all of this stuff is going to shake out. Not just in the short term, but also kind of that longer arc for dynasty players or even folks that want to try to kind of grade out how the redraft stuff go might go on a season-by-season basis. But I don't want to make you guys wait anymore. You've been waiting long enough all the way up until the two days in front of the draft to actually hear about it. I am an idiot when it comes to this stuff. So enjoy as I learn about how all this stuff is going down when we talk to our amazing guests this week. Let's get that going now. It is officially 
after yesterday I uh, chewed up a podcast talking about Chris Paul. It is officially draft week now on Fantasy NBA Today. And the first of our experts, someone you've come to know around the Sports Ethos website for some time now, the great Corbin Ford. Corbin, it's so nice to talk to you here on Fantasy NBA Today. You're not, you're not a, a specific fantasy guy, so we don't get to chat that often. But this week is perfect. What's going on, man? Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you for having me on, Dan. I'm doing great. I'm pumped to, like you said, talk some basketball. Uh, love to be on Fantasy NBA. Uh, long-time listener. Uh, first-time call-in. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm definitely excited to uh, to talk of a, of a, uh, on a topic that I, you know, have some level of understanding. Um, as we still learn the fantasy game, we're only six years in. Who knows? But we're, we're, getting, we're getting a better feel for it. And now we're talking some general NBA draft, and I'm pumped. Yeah, so, th- like... You and I talk on uh, podcasts seemingly three times a year. It's like around now, uh, around free agency, I think, and then always the trade deadline. That's the one where it's like, Corbin, how the hell has the last year been? (laughs) Because we get to talk about what things might happen, what players will be good fits in different places. But so one thing that I've learned in the years of doing this podcast is that if God forbid... You talk about something that's not fantasy, then people get all up in arms and their panties are all twisted or whatever expression you want to say. But this is a week where we have the excuse to say there is reality at play here because there is an unknown. And people also know, and like one thing that I've made very clear of over the years, I don't follow rookies too closely because by and large, and I think I I, I think I ran the numbers on this earlier this offseason, it's something like... 13% roughly of rookies actually beat their fantasy ADP and certainly if and if you look at the the top guys it's basically zero but we need to know where they're going and we need to know where the good fit is but i don't study it i make very clear about that i'm not going to pretend to follow rookies like this week because that would be disingenuous and that's what you are for <laughs> so, Corbin, that's why you're on the podcast today uh, at Corbin NBA on Twitter, by the way, just so you guys can check him out over there. But I need you to just tell me what I need to know. And my job today is pretty much to sit back and be educated on what makes sense. Now, the obvious one, even I know that Vic- that Victor Wembanyama is going first to the San Antonio Spurs. But my question for you on that setup is, we've seen pop over the years he's not going to play Wembenyama 80 games this season, is he? It feels like it's going to be in the 60s or something like that, because is there any reason to push his guys this soon? That is a, a great question. I think that Pops out. I, I think he's going to play. I think he's going to get a good amount of minutes. I don't know if they're going to run to the ground. I think the um, Spurs are of the mindset of, okay, you know what? We got Wembenyama. Like, let's push it to the limits. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and just try to win all the games. At the same time, I do think that, he is going to play a decent amount. I, I don't think at this point, you know, you, if you're San Antonio, you know, you basically tanked to get the pick. Yeah. I don't think you do that now. <laughs> One damn go, year, <laughs> by the way. I have beef with that, and then I want you to finish your thought. But yes. every time the, the Spurs tank for one season every 25 years, and it works every time. I hate it. I hate it's it. crazy. It, it, it's a proven blueprint, uh, always for a generational talent, whether it's David Robinson, Tim Duncan, or now Victor. Yeah. Right? It's always one of those, like, wow. And you're right. They compete. You know, every other year, whether or not they actually have a chance of, like, making the postseason. And then that one year they go, you know what? Nope, we're just throwing in the towel. And they're rewarded. It's yeah. really crazy. I guess <laughs> so, because they do it so, like, few times. But every time they do, they strike it big. So, yeah, it's pretty like, remarkable. Going to, the, 
<laughs> exactly. Go in a casino once a year and just win it every time you <laughs> That's do. exactly right. <laughs> but sorry, <laughs> but continue. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt with my, my Spurs-related uh, draft lottery rage. Continue. Oh, no, no, no. But, yeah, no. I, of course. I'm, I'm right there with you. And I just think, I mean, he's basically a franchise changer, right? He led the French League in rebounds and blocks, was second in points. Uh, his long-term potential is great. I don't think that the Spurs did all that just to, like, kind of wean him in. I think he'll get, you know, obviously a starting spot and a fair amount of minutes and just kind of go from there. Now, granted, if there's, like, an injury risk or something, yeah, I'm sure San Antonio will definitely, you know, use the utmost caution. But at the same time, I I feel pretty confident that he's going to get some decent run. Do you think he plays in back-to-backs? It's hard to know. Ooh, that's a very good question. And given San Antonio, it really is. I think he will early. Okay, so the I think he will early, and then maybe they. I mean, what? Because what do they have to lose initially, right? Like right. he's nineteen; he's your young guy. Like I get it. <laughs> oh when my the Spurs god, are doing that, you know, with with Tim Duncan at thirty six, and Manu Ginobili at thirty six, and Tony Parker at like thirty four. Like I get that, you know, but he's nineteen. I mean, I I don't see why not, you know. Um, like I said, at least to begin with, I'm sure as the season shakes itself out, given where the Spurs end up what reason would there be to play him in those back-to-backs? But to start with, I mean, you know, you're getting a guy like this. I don't think you're just trying to have him out there, you know, once a week like he was playing in the French League. <laughs> yeah, that's that's football. That's a different yep. sport. Uh, do you think the Spurs can compete for a play-in spot this year, or is it a year or two too soon? I feel like it's a little too soon, but it really depends on what they do this offseason, right? I think they're projected to have, what, $50 million in cash space, like, they're going to have some space to maybe pursue uh, a guy like a Fred Van Vliet if they wanted to, right? Um, and that would obviously push their window up uh, substantially, right? Um, you still have decent guys like Jeremy Sohan, Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell. Um, those are some young players I'm sure the Spurs will want to keep and develop there. Um, yeah, I think that they probably go that way. They have space, uh, but at the same time, let's say they just decide to add a few more, like, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to even say distressed asses, but just players that are younger to kind of grow alongside this group. Then, yeah, I don't think they're that they're, that great. I mean, they finished 29th in offense and 30th in defense, and they had the worst net rating in the league. So, like, <laughs> Victor's not going to solve all of that, right? And, yeah, you know, you had Devin Bissell who's injured for a good chunk of time, but, like, all of those other guys played pretty decently. And then you have guys like Malachi Branham, Blake Wesley, Charles Bassey. All those guys had some promise as well, but they all need to develop. So, I, I lean toward them being bad another year, um, but then again, they have they have money, right? So it really depends on who they decide to go for in free agency, who decides to join them possibly, and if so, maybe you get a team that can compete for, uh, I don't know, a 9-10 spot, well, more 10 spots. <laughs> yeah, we're squeezing into that last one. <laughs> yeah. Can Victor Weminyama is, what, 7-2? Seven, 7-2, two? Mm-hmm. Seven, two? and... Um... Not exactly thick yet as a 19-year-old. Can he be the everyday starting center in his rookie season, or does he need to play power forward? That is a good question. I feel like maybe power forward to start. More situational matchups. I mean, this NBA, right? Like, yeah. is, it, is he really playing the five? You know, it's only, you know, the, the Spurs are in a situation where they are like the Suns, where it's like, we need to have a big to go against, you know, uh, Nicole Jokic, like the Spurs, no yeah. matter what happens yeah, this offseason, right. you know, <laughs> the road doesn't lead to Denver. I'll tell you that right now, right? So they want to worry about that initially, and, like, there's a Joel Embiid, and, and just, like, you can count on, like, one hand probably the, the amount of, like, bruising bigs, your Steven Adams, your Jonas Valanciunas, right? Um, For those, yeah, I, I don't necessarily like Victor in that position. But on the other hand, I feel like 
you know, we've seen him play in the French League against some bigs. And we've seen, like, one or two spots where they put him under the basket. And then others, like, a lot of other times when he rejected their shots at the rim and spaced them out to the limit from three and really just kind of made them look silly. So I feel like his best bet initially would be, like, the four. But ultimately, I, I like him at the five. I think that that's kind of his, like, ideal kind of matchup moving forward. And as he kind of adds to his frame, gets more muscular, and holds up better against those bruising bigs, which, again, it's not like we are, you know, having to spill out of our pockets in the NBA, um, I think he'll do even better. All right, let's get into the meat of this thing because everybody knows what's happening first and everybody knows how I feel about the fantasy side, which is that Wembenyama's had so much hype around his name that there's almost no season he could have that would match the fantasy hype that he's going to have coming out of this thing. But what about what comes next? Um, I should mention, by the way, Corbin is the host of the Round Ball Ramble here at Sports Ethos and will soon be providing Charlotte Hornets coverage, so it felt like the right segue here. What are the Hornets doing it too? <laughs> I appreciate the segue. No, that's a very good question. And honestly, all eyes are on Charlotte for this. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter. And suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. For the draft, right? We know what San Antonio is going to do. Um, we know women, women, young must already sign Spurs jerseys. So that's like, done, <laughs> yeah. right. Um, as far as the second pick and where Charlotte decides to go with that, that is what's really interesting. And in fact, shameless self plug, but, um, we have our, our mutual colleague here at sports ethos, uh, Steven Bagel uh, at the bird rights pod. I actually had him on. He'll be dropping on, um, the ethos Hornets feed, just a conversation, a deeper dive into the second round and all of that. But just for the cliff notes version here, um, the Hornets have a variety of different directions they can go in. Right. And a lot of that depends on where they're deciding to go Um, in terms of, listen, they're one of the worst teams last year, right now they were hit with a ton of injuries. So, you know, that, that it was the walking wounded for most of the year at the same time, realistically, if they're all healthy, are they making a playing spot? No, we saw what they did in the play-in games the last two seasons, like embarrassing performances, right? So you look and you go, hey, we have a chance right now to basically continue our rebuild. Michael Jordan is, is selling his share, moving on. It's going to be a totally different transition. Um, maybe we go with the player that could be a culture setter for us, that's explosive playmaker, that's been the number two pick behind Wibanyama in mock drafts for the most part nearly all year, and that's Scoot Henderson, right? And you hear this a lot. In many other drafts, um, Henderson will be the number one pick. And what's funny is um, in, in the podcast that is going to drop, me and Steven kind of ranked it against other number one picks over the past like four or five years to really put that to the test. And it's really interesting what we came up with. But that's one guy because he plays 
just very fast. He plays very smart for his age, 19, been playing basically against professionals for the past two years. Um, he's able to finish strong, he can get to the rim with ease. He can pull up and hit floaters. He can go in different directions in terms of his high-level passing reads. Like, he is great, right? But and this has really picked up some steam over the last couple months here. There's another guy called Brandon Miller, um, and he is the 6'9 wing from Alabama, and he's been getting some some noise, at least around him, about possibly going to Charlotte. And the idea with that is that you already have LaMelo Ball playing point guard, and yes, I believe LaMelo and Henderson can work. I think they play complementary games. Um, however, if you want a guy who can also kind of play alongside LaMelo and be this this potential, you know, high usage wing who can shoot the ball very efficiently, but also has the skills to dribble, pass, and defend, um, shot the three ball ridiculous volume as a freshman last year, then maybe you lean Miller. And so this, to me, and everyone kind of agrees with this, is where the draft really starts, because they could do that, or um, there's been talks about the Pelicans maybe wanting to trade for the second overall pick. Mm. And whether that involves Zion Williamson or a Brandon Ingram, which is a totally different thing because then, whoa, where does that go? You know, so there's a lot there. Um, Charlotte has a lot of different directions. I think we all lean toward them keeping that pick, but there's been enough rumors about New Orleans kind of swirling around there that I feel like there's some smoke. I'm not saying there's fire, but I'm definitely smelling some smoke. Ooh, that would be insane. All right, so look, you're covering the Hornets now. What would you want them to do here? So for me, I am just big on Scoop. I just think you're a Scoop fan. I'm a Scoop fan. I feel like it can work. I think that you have LaMelo, and mind you, LaMelo to me is a part of the future for the Hornets team, but I am not necessarily sold on him being the future. So you can bring in a guy like Scoot Henderson who can play alongside LaMelo. I think Henderson's more of like a power scorer. He can definitely get to the rim. He has a killer mid-range jumper. And then Ball is more of a finesse kind of guy who shoots from three, uh, can probably do more of that off the catch, off ball. You know, I could easily see LaMelo, you know, driving to the basket, defense is closing in, pitch out to, you know, Scoot, and then Scoot having an open lane to go. Or Scoot initiating, driving in, kick out to LaMelo for three. And all the pick and roll action they can do with P.J. Washington or whatever the heck happens with Miles Bridges and all of that, right? Yeah. <laughs> like exactly like that can be interesting i think those two can play together and if you're the charlotte front office if Lamelo is still just injury prone for the next couple of years you kind of have a decision to make when extension time comes which is actually right around the corner and you're like hey do you want to like you know commit to this long term like he's a very talented player but maybe scoot is just coming in like gangbusters and you're like whoa you know he can be the primary guy on ball and we see what Lamelo ball can get us out in the trade market and maybe we get a complimentary talent or another player that fits along him and this team better. Or maybe Henderson's the odd man out and LaMelo's playing like we thought he would be. And the front office goes, hey, you know, let's see about seeing what school can get back in return. Or <laughs> ideally, in my opinion, both work together well in the backcourt as guys who can both score on or off ball. Um, a little undersized in terms of height overall, but also good length and wingspan and good athletic uh profiles that could kind of help um enough on the defensive end and you have an interesting and entertaining ball club so that's where i lean if they take brandon miller i'm not super high on brandon miller um because of his lack of ability to create off the bounce for me like he's someone that feels very dependent um at least right now 
on someone else creating. And I just feel like there's a lot of stress on Lamelo, who already has a lot of people who are in that same boat, you know, who need right. kind of not, not spoon-fed buckets. I, I mean, yes, it's good that he can make a shot at a high clip. Um, but at the same time, I, I just don't – I want more than that. And also, even him making a lot of threes at a high clip initially doesn't immediately translate to the NBA. We saw Jabari Smith Jr. knock down nearly everything last year in college, right? Or two years ago in college. And then last year, it was a bit of a slump. It took him a minute to get used to the NBA line. And, I mean, we know he's still going to be a very good shooter, and he definitely worked himself in the form, but it's not a guarantee. And so I think the the, the translatable skills uh, for the Hornets are much better, in my opinion, with Scoot over Miller. So, uh, and again, everybody needs to remember that I really legitimately don't know the answers to any of the questions that I'm asking here. I am, I am a, uh, a newborn babe being exposed to these things for the first time. And I know it's hard to talk about what's going to happen with Miles Bridges because we really don't know. Uh, but from what you're telling me, Brandon Miller feels like right now a younger, less efficient version of Miles Bridges. Does that, does that track at all? Sort of. Yeah, I actually like Miles Bridges' ability to finish the room a lot better um, just from college and the NBA. I, I, Brandon Miller's was uh, interesting. Um, <laughs> suspect, suspect. I will say that. And also, yeah, and, and a good volume shooter from three, um, but not really a mid-range guy, even though he was in high school. So it's interesting. Mm. Like, the potential is there for him to do all of this. Like, I'm not saying that he cannot. The, the dude definitely can. I, I, he just hasn't as of yet. Um, didn't like the way he played in the tournament. I think the better the defenders, like, the worse he played. Um, and off-ball shot making, that's great. It's a necessity in this modern NBA, right? But is that, like, somebody taking number two? If that if that's the one thing he brings to the table, and he's very good at that, boom. Um, is that a guy you bring off of two? I, I, I over Scoot, I don't know. At the same time... If you look at the way he shoots, you look at the way he dribbles at 6'9", which cannot be forgotten, like at 6'9", to be able to, you know, kind of shimmy a little bit, kind of get into some clean looks, uh, maybe maybe you go with that. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think the Hornets, per se, can lose at this unless they, like, I don't know, surprise us all and go with one of the Thompson twins, you know, and, and no knock on the Thompson twins. I just don't think they'd be a fit for Charlotte. But at this point, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. And I would be curious to see if the Hornets are at least interested in, 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 in trades. You know, I mean, I we talked about this again on last pop. But if, if Zion was a thing, or even potentially a thing for Charlotte, do you go with that? Mm. I mean, if if Zion is upright, he's a generational there, talent. There, the, there you go, exactly. Otherwise, you got him and Lamella looking good in suits. You know, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. As the Hornets limit to a fourteen and sixty eight season. Yeah, I think we know? all saw Lamella's watch as that uh, image flashed across tw- uh, Twitter, which looked kind of like a sea cucumber. So yeah, we'll get a lot of. <laughs> We'll get a lot of that on the sidelines. Uh-huh. What's the um, what's the what's the feeling around, and around NBA draft circles right now? Do most folks think they're going scoot there? I would I would say it's like, oh, that's a good question. I'd say sixty forty. Oh, I'd say sixty forty scoot. It, the the Brandon Miller train has definitely picked up steam over the last month and a half, two months. Um, it took like a, a little a little pit stop, a little a little train stop during the NCAA tournament. And the later <laughs> half, it kind of faded away. Uh, but then, you know, out of sight, out of mind, it's like, wait a second, what yeah, about maybe. Brandon Miller? <laughs> exactly. Like when you saw him, like actually not looking great, the guy required. And I was like, oh, actually, correct for us. So, like, I think yeah, I would say sixty forty. Um, but they're bringing the two back, and unfortunately, during workouts, um, at least some point over the last month, apparently Brandon Miller had mono, and so that was rough. He had lost some weight. Oh, come on, Brandon. You're supposed to get that in seventh grade. <laughs> exactly. So, like, you know, in terms of him and his workouts and, and, and not losing some weight and not being, you know, at his best, um, 
apparently he's had it since Alabama season ended and he lost 13 pounds from that last Yeah, game, it's so. a long one. I mean, it's it, yeah. we we all we all remember the for me, I shared an or I shared an orange soda with Gracie Abbott when I was 12. That's how I got mono. I still remember wow. it. Yeah. I missed that I missed is... I missed like 3 weeks of school. I got vertigo from it. It sucked, man. That's it not a sucks. fun one, but you're not supposed to wait until you're 19 or 20 to get that joint. Dude, you gotta... I know it's a little it's a little late at that point. Yeah, that, exactly. that's like when you wow. see it. That's like when you see an adult with chicken pox, and you're like, "What the hell did you do whoa, as a whoa, kid?" Yeah, what, what happened to your childhood? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Although so, now they have a vaccine for that, so I I guess that's not a thing anymore. I guess that's yeah. That's I'm still... an old man. I'm an old man. <laughs> well, Corbin, uh, uh, two questions. I have one of them that's yes. real and one that's a little bit tongue in cheek. So let's start with okay. the real one. Right. Would you? So you like Scoot between Scoot and Brandon Miller? I get that. Would you prefer they trade for someone on the Pelicans if that was actually a possibility? I would say no. Uh, I, I I feel like if you were, if you were to trade for Zion, I would have to think long and hard about that because the guy is uh, again. I feel like throughout generational talent, every five words in the NBA now. These but he is are, though. Like, but he is. I was gonna say. But like that's what he is. When healthy, right? And that's the big thing. But twenty-two, right? fits in in my mind perfectly alongside LaMelo much better version of of a of a rim presence than Miles Bridges and you saw how that worked that was actually a pretty decent two-man game between those two right Mm -hmm. um the guy point Zion's a thing you know you can take on some of the ball handling responsibilities and offensive usage there um be a focus for the defense which open up looks for guys like Terry Rozier you know like PJ Washington like others on the Hornets so like I would like that. Now, if it was Brandon Ingram, I don't know. Uh, Brandon Ingram is still a very solid player. Um, but I think that if you bring him in, you're, you can bring in Zion. And maybe, like, yes, the goal is to win now. But it wouldn't be, like, like a necessity, right? Because mm-hmm. still young. You can still grow with these guys. Yada, yada, all that, right? With Brandon Ingram at 26, you know, on a contract that gets him through his prime, you're not just getting him just to kind of, you know, look good and hit some jumpers. Like, the idea then would say, okay – we're trying to angle toward a win-now team. And if that's the case, does Brandon Ingram and whatever uh, assemblage of, of, of additional players and picks net you that? You know, Because if not, like the focus is there to either do that or be where the Hornets have been over the last couple of years, which is, well, not even the last couple of years. They've been bad the last couple of years. But before that, they've just been plagued in mediocrity, right? Remember the Kemba Walker years, right? Like, oh, yeah. It could easily go that route as well. So, like, if it's for Zion, I'm with it. There was another kind of trade uh, discussion that – um, Stephen had brought up where it was basically like a Dyson Daniels, Trey Murphy, a uh, couple of picks, like future first rounders for the second. And I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't not like that. You know, like it's not going to help <laughs> you win now, but like, are there are some young, intriguing players. And if you were looking at a rebuild, you know, Trey Murphy is a very good shooter, good length, you know, good, good defender. Dyson Daniels, you know, what he brings in defensive end. He's shown some offensive flash um, of upside of, of passing and distributing there. Like, I don't hate it, you know, but ultimately, I don't know. Yeah, the magic, like, yeah, the magic uh, of the the magic of the unknown is just so strong, though. Exactly, and I'm a sucker at, at the fair and all these other places, Dan, for the mystery boxes. That's right. Um, it could be a boat. You, know, you don't exactly. You don't know what's in the mystery <laughs> box. Like, there's a perfectly good thing right here, but I could get an even better <laughs> thing in here. Exactly right. But unfortunately, usually you don't. You know, usually you get a thing, and it's like, oh, okay. And then you had the the perfectly better thing that you'd be like that night going. Yeah, I had to pick that instead, and so that's how I feel I would be right now if I was the Hornets. Like, yep. yes, all these other mystery permutations are great, but like, if I have the sure thing, and in my mind, Scoot is a sure thing as well. Victor, I think there's more questions for Victor than Scoot, depending on who you ask, right? Mm. Um, I, I, I would just go with Scoot. 
All right, my tongue-in-cheek question is, if they do go with Scoot, what happens to the man who is your Google avatar, Corbin? That's Terry Rozier. He's signed for three more seasons. He is. He is. And you know what? I hate to say this, but we're going to move him to the three. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, honestly, I think if you do that, maybe Terry gets traded. He's been a long-time Suns target for a minute now. Maybe you could craft a package with him um, for Aiden. Oh my goodness! Or, or some some pieces there. I mean, the, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily like that per se because the Hornets have Mark Williams, so they just drafted and like. Yeah, Kyle I like Jones Mark. Still there, but at the same time, I mean, yeah, at the same time, the Suns have been targeting Terry Rozier for for a couple of years now. They don't have a point guard unless they are deciding to go with rolling it back with campaign or slotting either Bradley Beal, um, newly acquired Bradley Beal, or. Devin Booker to the point guard spot, which I think both can play, but I don't think is their natural position. They're both scorers no. who can pass. Like, yeah. like a different yeah. team being playing point guard, scorers who can pass. Or Terry Rozier, he's also of that ilk, but he's actually played point guard. And, you know, he played it in a pinch last year, right? He's played it before. I think he'd be a solid spot of option for the Suns. He'd be someone who could create his own offense when needed. And I think he could actually play the point guard position and be okay with that. So, I don't know what the package looks like, being the Suns have, like, two players on a contract. I'm just kidding. Like, <laughs> they got four, and they're all making $45 million a Exactly. Year. So it would have to be something interesting. Maybe you send one of your bigs, you know, maybe if it's Charlotte Taylor's year, one of your bigs that you have, mm. um, whether Nick Richards or Kai Jones, whatever the case may be, Poor kind Terry. of free up some space, and, and then another player to, to, like, make that happen. And then you get a young, promising big who you talk yourself into playing two big lineups with Mark Williams. And then, you know, Phoenix gets the guard that they've been looking for that's a decent stopgap, a little bit younger compared to the others in their group. I think he's around Devin Booker's age, or at least closer to that than he is to Bradley Beal, who turns 30 this weekend, um, or Durant, who's going to be 35 this upcoming year. So, yeah, like, I, I think that's a decent move. But other than that, yeah, if you if you draft um, Scoot Henderson, to go back to your main question, I feel like you're either <laughs> I'm you just, know, bringing I'm in just Terry off the you, bench man. or moving him under three. Now, you see how long I've thought about this. This yep. is no laughing matter, Dan. No. This is, you, this is real life. You, okay. might, you might have to Photoshop a New Jersey on him for your, for your Google <laughs> avatar. This is this is this is a big moment for Corbin. He's this had that real. he's had that Terry Rozier avatar for what five four or five years now. Four or five years, literally his first. This that was from the avatars from his first year in Charlotte. He looks and really been, young yes. in that picture, by the way. I, I'm young. the only person right now that can see it as we're recording this, but he he legitimately looks like. Well, he's got like he's doing this lower jaw thing that kind of makes him look like he's got dentures in, but otherwise, mm-hmm. he he really does look like he's about eighteen years old in that he, picture. He reminds me of of me as a Hornets fan back in the day, young, full of hope, bright <laughs> smile. You know, like what like, happened? Anything is possible. Yeah, and unfortunately, like the last five years have happened, and it's like, oh well, maybe it's not. Maybe we will get a, a I don't know a number two pick, and, and like here we are talking about the Hornets again, being being pretty bad, and it's been what. Yeah, it's going to be five years coming up this next season with the Hornets, which oh, is wild. Man. All right, so now we got to let now we got to sort of set the stage for the rest of the draft as well. And and I, I we I I spent more time on Charlotte than I intended to, but you had a lot of things <laughs> that were there, and I wanted to I wanted to dig into them. Uh, Portland, I know we've heard. Uh, I mean, we've heard every rumor. Uh, even I, who pays very little attention to uh, the stuff going on around the draft, I've heard all the rumors. Portland. Does Dame want them to use the number three pick to get a better player around him? Now he says he wants to stay. Then the, the now I, th- I think the rumor yesterday was that they're not moving the pick. If let's say let's say Scoot goes to Charlotte, does Portland 
have to go Brandon Miller? I mean, what are their what even are their options there? That's a good question. I think one is to go Brandon Miller. Who, if you do that, it's a, okay. There's a few. So first, let's say that let's say that Charlotte decides to go with Brandon Miller. Now, if you're Portland, you take Scoot Henderson. Now, Scoot, you draft him, but like we already know that Dame doesn't want younger players, right? And you're drafting a guy who plays point guard, right? So then, does that mean Dame is definitely out the door? Does that mean he gets traded to Miami, as talks have been? Does that mean he goes to a Brooklyn, which I feel is much less likely, but something like that? Maybe, you know, depending on what the Blazers decide to do, are you trying to move on and, and, and finally, finally embrace the rebuild? Or are you looking to trade that pick to maximize Damian Lillard's prime? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get if you get if Scoot Henderson falls to three, I think that it, you take him because of Scoot Henderson. But then at that point, I think you're definitely saying bye to Dame Lillard. I don't think you can talk him into that when you're drafting a guy who's like playing behind you. You know, especially when you have you know um, Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp, you know, all at the shooting guard position, right? So that's that's one school of thought. The other is that Scoot goes second, and Brandon Miller, a wing who you know uh, will be one of the better wings that the Blazers have had in the Damian Lillard era. I think almost immediately, but that's not saying a whole lot when you look at no disrespect to Alfred Camino and Mo Harkless. Um, but you know, like those guys, right? <laughs> I remember that era. Just, yeah, exactly. Like, like that, you know, remember Evan Turner, like you got those threes, <laughs> right? So like he would be better, but is he going to like boost you up to championship contention, which is what Damian Lillard says. The the Blazers, in my opinion, are so far out of that conversation. So far. It, yeah. It, it's a shame I even said them in championship with the same word, but I did. But with that being said, like I, I feel like their best bet is to move on from Dame and just take the best pick. Whether you go with Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, I really don't think the Blazers can lose either way or kind of set a rebuild. But if you do want to trade that pick, there have been teams that have traded top five picks in the past for more established players and then gone on, gone on to win the championship. Um, uh, and that was, or go on to even make the finals. If you look at the Lakers back in 2019, remember uh, DeAndre Hunter, number four. Trade, he was part of the package that got them back Anthony Davis. We know what happened the next year, right? Or Cleveland, when they got Andrew Wiggins number one, and they traded him for Kevin Love. You know, like, they didn't win that first year, but they went again and won the second year, right? Yep. And then, of course, um, I think Boston did as well for Ray Allen when they made the trade. Um, like, there's a few that you, that, that, are, that, that you can do to kind of get you a more established player. The question is what player is available there that you say, okay, we trade the number two pick for this player, bring them over to join Dame Lillard and all of a sudden this team is just like boom. Yeah, you know? I don't I don't I don't see that player out there. At least not on a team that wants to move said player. Exactly. And also there's no guarantee that the trade would even be like like one that 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 is like an outlier in my opinion. Outlier kind of result that you make a trade like the Lakers did and boom, you're a champion. More likely than not, it will be like when the Wizards traded their number 5 pick in, in 2009 Ricky Rubio for Randy Foy and Mike Miller. Like, do we remember <laughs> either of those two in Wizards jerseys, right? Only because like, only because of my fantasy teams. Otherwise, no. Okay, that's what I mean. So, like, more than likely, it's going to be two players that they just totally overestimate, or underestimate, rather, in terms of – no, overestimate. I said it right the first time. In terms of what they bring to this Blazers team. And instead of winning, I don't know, 24 games, you win 32. Instead of winning 32 games, you win 36. But either way, you're, you're, you're playing with the uh, – Damian Lillard is going to turn 34 – and you're nowhere closer to a championship. I just feel like it's time to blow it up. Like, make like a hockey stick. You know the rest of the saying. And just keep it going. <laughs> okay, so I don't mean to, to jump ahead, but we're going to do a little fast forward here. 
Uh, who are the names and teams that you feel we should be watching for what I guess you could call, and this is, I guess, it, you know, tin, this does have kind of the fantasy thread to it, but what are the potential good fits throughout the rest of the lottery or even the rest of the first round? Um, I like... It's a tough question, well, I know. I threw you into the fire on that one. You know, a little bit, but it's okay. It's okay, Dan. We, we, we were all here. No, I, I like I like this question. I would go first. I would look at Washington. Um, it's been talks about Anthony Black kind of going to Washington, which seems to pick up more steam now that Bradley Beal is gone. Um, and I think Black, not the best shooter, but he's been just lauded for his basketball IQ. He's a bigger point guard, 6'6", you know, uh, able to – his passing vision is great. I can see him as someone – his defense is amazing. So if you're looking at someone who – just a terrific defender with good vision and also rebounds well. You're looking at like a 13, 5, and 4, which is what he averaged in college. Let's say an uptick in rebounds and assists and, you know, maybe around the same in points. Like that looks pretty solid to me. And he'll get all the minutes because Washington doesn't really have a point guard that's going to threaten him. I mean, all, all due respect to Monte Morris and DeLon Wright, but like. What yeah. if they What if they let Chris Paul play there for a little bit? Ah. <sighs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, okay, so here's the thing. I made a joke about this on Twitter, actually. I want Chris Paul to play on the Wizards. Same, for by the a way. a game or two. Yeah, not because I want them to win anything or because they will. Like, I don't think any of that's going to happen. But I want it to happen because there's a really cool graphic, and I, I'm going to have to share it with you um, at some point here. Uh, it's just on my Twitter. But between Chris Paul, John Wall, and Russell Westbrook, they oh, will all goodness. have played on the same three teams over the last three years. Oh, that's super weird. Or last four years. Yep. And and it's a really cool event. I'm trying to see if I can send that in real time. It was it was just a really that... cool um thing in terms of that little basketball kind of trivia nugget. Like all of them have played literally in the last four years on the same team. If Chris Paul suits up for Washington which is hilarious. And we see it because we saw Russ traded, of course, for John Wall. We've seen uh, Chris Paul traded for Russell Westbrook. Like, we've seen the beats, you know? And so <laughs> it would be really funny to see that. At the same time, uh, I, I don't see, like, why you do that outside of, you know, uh, our personal curiosity um, because the Wizards, are, they're just not going anywhere fast. I mean, you don't trade 30-year-old Bradley Beal for 38-year-old Chris Paul, who also had a down injury riddled year last year, and think you're better, right? Even if you bring back Porzingis and Kyle Kuzma. I just don't see it. Um, also, are you doing that to shepherd the young guys in the midst of a losing season? Because he wants to compete. I mean, Chris Paul's 38, you know what I mean? And the Wizards aren't going to do that. I think that they have him. You know, apparently there's talks about the Clippers wanting to be reunited with Chris Paul. That would fit, you know, what um, I think that he wants. And then if the Hornets are able to get like a – not the Hornets. If the um, Wizards are able to get like a Terrence Mann or a young player for him, like that's not the worst thing. You know what I mean? Like that would be pretty interesting. Some draft capital as well. Get Chris Paul in a contender. Like I feel like that's the next move. I I, I think I, – I don't even think he makes it past um, – I think he's gone before free agency. Yeah, he's probably gone. I was just thinking if he if he managed to play there, if they were like if they didn't have a point guard that they wanted to do anything with, that would be. I mean, he'd have the ball in his hand for every single offensive play. Yeah, every single yeah. one of them. Oh, the fantasy juice that would you wouldn't. No one would hear the end of it from me. Okay, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, what was the player you mentioned for the Wizards? Last name was Black. Oh, Anthony Black. Anthony Black. All right. Uh, anybody think, else that's yeah. an interesting fit out there floating around? 
Um, aside from that, I'm curious to see what happens with Dallas at number 10. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, they've been, they could get a, a case on a case in Wallace, um, another a Kentucky guy uh, who comes in, he reminds me of like a Drew Holiday. Like, he knows how to play, elite defensive guard, really good on ball, really strong, can shoot off ball, likes him to create more off the bounce, but, like, he's from Kentucky, and we've seen Kentucky guys really just kind of look decent in college and then just look way better in the NBA, right? Hmm. Like, whether that's Shea Gilds Alexander, whether that's Devin Booker, like, all these guys who come in and they slip into the, the lottery, late lottery. You're like, oh, okay, they're, they're a decent guard, and all of a sudden, they're all NBA players. Uh, I think Casey Wallace has that potential while bringing a lot more on the defensive side of the ball than those other two I just mentioned. Um, and I think he would fit. The problem is it would be a good fit defensively, but like he's going to be, and he's going to be very efficient, <laughs> but I don't think he's going to be on ball because, you know, obviously Luka Doncic exists. Right. And it depends on what they do, whether or not the Mavericks bring back um, Kyrie Irving, which they're going to try. They're going to try. It will be who of them to do it after trading what they did for him. Yep. But another guy I would consider there is uh, Derek Lively. And I would like him as a good fit there. He does bring that rim protection. Uh, he averaged 2.5 blocks um, in 20 minutes last year in college. Uh, has a 7-7 wingspan. He's going to mm. gobble up rebounds. I think he would look good. Now you got my um, attention. Now you got yeah. my attention because I know the Mavericks don't see or seem to really want Christian Wood back around and their center mm-hmm. situation's been kind of murky with this whole Maxi Kleba and Dwight yeah. Powell stuff. If they got one that they were actually interested in developing, you could convince me. This is kind of how... Uh, uh, William Harris and David last year convinced me to pay attention to Mark Williams. They were like, look, Danny, he's a, he's a big man. He can rebound. He can block shots. These are the guys you need to pay attention to because their stuff does translate better to fantasy, and it's always good to run towards the rim when Luka's on your team. That works exactly. out all right for you. Okay. Exactly. He's mobile defensively. He can hard hedge. He can drop. He can recover. He can do all of the things on the defensive side. Um, and although he was really just a rim-rolling big man in – um, Duke, which obviously would work well in Dallas, um, he did show the ability to shoot a little bit uh, through his prep career, and then also during pro day, he had a really good shooting time, which could mean nothing at all. I mean, we've seen other guys who could shoot the ball, you know, <laughs> when the games aren't being played. Like I heard, Steve Nam's a very good shooter, apparently, which is hilarious, just given that he never does. Not one. Um, but like, yeah, if he could flash even some of that, like imagine a guy who can, you know, do the pick and roll and pick and pop. You know, shoot the three ball, even if it does like a 34%, 35%, right? And still be the finisher at the rim that could, you know, free up some space for Luka, for Kyrie. Like, that would be nasty. So, I would like that pick there as well. All right, Corbin, you're officially off the hot seat. That was it. Whew. You good? I'm good. Thank yeah, you. you're good. He is the amazing Corbin Ford setting the table for us here on Draft Week on Fantasy NBA Today. You can check out Corbin on Twitter, at CorbinNBA, the host of the Round Ball Ramble, the host of the Ethos Hornets podcast, which is going to be picking up steam here in the not-too-distant future, and yep. a uh, recent uh, resident of Colorado. Congratulations on your move, good sir. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you for that. I am very, very uh, happy now to kind of be settled and, and, and just before draft season. I wish I had came a little later after... You know, the Nuggets had beat the Lakers and not while they were doing it. But, you know, <laughs> we're here. We're here. We are now. Oh, yeah. Corbin's also a Laker fan. I, 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 Maybe we should have talked. We can talk Lakers on another podcast. That, that day I'm is, here for it. I know. We don't want to torture people with that right now. And plus, <laughs> it probably would just make us feel kind of sad. Uh, but, again, he is the amazing Corbin Ford. Thank you, as always, my good man. We'll talk to you soon. Of course. To you soon. Corbin damn Ford. Love that dude.
Nobody has... So I feel like, in my estimation... Now, forget the knowledge for a moment. Corbin knows his basketball. That's an obvious one. Something that I always try to bring to a podcast, to uh, a sports broadcast, if I'm doing a play-by-play job, is a joy. Does anybody bring more joy to NBA discussions than Corbin? You can just feel his love of the game, his love of the players, the teams, and I just I hope that that seeps through to you guys because for me, it makes all of this 95 times more enjoyable. When you talk to someone who is truly, like, really derives uh, a real pleasure from talking about and watching and enjoying basketball. So thank you to Corbin Ford for coming on, for carving out time here on this Tuesday. Uh, Again, he is at CorbinNBA on Twitter. I am at Dan Vespers over on social media. We'll keep this this discussion going tomorrow as we uh, keep rolling through our brief but delightful draft coverage week on Fantasy NBA Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Uh, at Sports, or sorry, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. SportsEthos.com is the website. Also, Sports Ethos has 85 draft profiles available to Fantasy Pass subscribers. That's crazy. I was not aware that we needed to even know about 85 players because I know that only 60 of them get drafted. What? There's more that aren't drafted? Of course there are, Dan, you idiot. There are some players that don't get drafted. They go do other stuff. Play in the G League. Play abroad. Do Go somewhere else. I don't know. Of course there are. So here's the thing. Sports Ethos dramatically ramped up their draft coverage this year. It's awesome. You can see it in what they're putting out. Uh, I'm, I'm beyond impressed with what they've got going on over there. Uh, and there's a lot of new stuff floating around on the premium side that I will make sure to give you a primer on at the beginning of tomorrow's show because right as as we're recording today I think there's a whole bunch of stuff that's like about to get dropped including an NFL draft guide which is super amazing and early and has already 55-0 pieces of content in it amazing work by those guys but I'll tell you all about that on tomorrow's show as we again continue to dive into the NBA draft stuff for Corbin I'm Dan here on this wonderful Tuesday have a great one we'll talk to you tomorrow